before I begin, two things. Maybe a part of the last one here, and I know Mr. Suresh Raju. As you might have noticed, he has a very small physical challenge. He comes from a business family, had an established business in Bangalore. From a middle class, and like, like anybody else, a little hesitation, a little hesitant introvert boy. He had to join college. So his father admitted him to a college, one of the very prominent colleges, Vijaya College in Bangalore. He had a small sense of inferiority because of that physical challenge. He was very hesitant to go to college. But he had to, so he did. Day one, PUC. He was very hesitant. He walks in the campus. He knows there is certain thing limits him. So he just looks around. He didn't want to speak. In fact, he didn't want to go to college. He wanted to just sit on his father's business and manage it because he was too conscious of what he is experiencing. Then, accidentally, because his father knows a very senior professor, at least he thought he'll meet that professor, wish him and say, see sir, because of you, my father has forced me to join this college, so I'm here. And that professor's name is Professor M.K. Sridhar. Professor M.K. Sridhar, if you know him, perhaps one of the most distinguished academicians today in India. He has headed the Knowledge Commission of Karnataka. Currently, he is a member of the UGC. He is also heading the National Curriculum Framework. He has been on multiple bodies, NAC and other things. He was also a member of the National Education Policy Committee, Professor M. K. Sridhar. The interesting thing about Professor M. K. Sridhar is, except his right hand and this portion of the body, everything is immobile. He is bound to a wheelchair. He needs somebody to carry him. You just Google, you'll get to know that right from his and only the right left hand, nothing is mobile. He is bound. He needs to be carried physically. He didn't know that. And Professor M.K. Sridhar was a teacher, professor at Vijaya College. This boy, while trying to join First PUC, a big C, a famous colleague, was very hesitant. How do I fit in? And then he goes around in search of Professor M.K. Sridhar, who is a friend of his father. And he saw a small group of students standing around having a lot of fun. He asked somebody that I want to meet Professor Sridhar. And he sees Sridhar sir right in front, right in the middle of that bunch of students, laughing gloriously, cracking jokes and having a lot of fun. That was the moment of truth for this man. He, for all his while, he was very conscious of his physical challenge. He was hesitant to go talk to anybody, go to a class, what do I do this, why do I need to study? I'll sit in my father's shop. And he saw this man, wheel-bound, wheelchair-bound, and the students are having the fun of their lifetime, all big fellows, and right in the middle, Professor M.K. Sridhar, he saw him. He saw that M.K. Sridhar, and there his life turned. Today, he is a very renowned corporate trainer. He's done sessions in Dubai and Emirates and places like that. He's also a mentor to Youth for Seva, which Rajesh represents, where children go to give themselves up for volunteering. It's perhaps Youth for Seva is one of the largest voluntary organization in the world, founded by one Mentesh Murti, where anybody can sign up 
for social voluntary save work we call it from one hour a week to one month a year you can sign up so he trains them in that context let me share and incidentally professor mk sridhar is the chancellor of the university we are working in so this is an example of how teachers demonstrate what to be learned in that context i shall share some of my understanding i'm very happy the way he conducted the session and let me come to myself he is a trainer i am a teacher i am not in a training all that i have acquired is by learning and listening to students in that context let me share something i'll start with a story dr rahman shared his example atipur rahman shared his example of a very very you know universal reality one everybody would like to speak on somebody told a story hindi or kannada both are okay no kannada okay so i'll say in english if possible once upon a time there was a boy he got married that's the end of the story <laughs> so stories perhaps the most wisest i'm sorry there is no shavadism here there was once upon a time a girl who got married and the same thing happened so the context here is stories are very very powerful and stories connect let me begin teaching as training very briefly preface may i request professor suresh to help me with the presentation very quickly i'll go into what exactly is education i think you know about <coughs> derived from a word to lead we are leading students somewhere it's leading now that's from truth to untruth from darkness to light from mortality to immortality i am just rephrasing the asatoma satgamaya phrase but i like the last one from mortality to immortality what is the one thing we leave behind what do we leave behind what does humanity tell us about what has people left behind their teachings their teachings teachings you're right so in fact they become a concept they become an idea they become a theory so we actually leave behind a word a theory so how do we become immortals we had the amrit mahotsav of dr prabhakar kore we had lot of people ultimately they become an idea they become a word they become a theory so the one way we become really immortals as teachers is what word or what concept that we leave behind so education as an individual what we are trying to become is to become an idea to inspire alexander to chanakya to gandhi to ambedkar they are all ideas that's how we become mortals the structures may not last forever so education is that legacy that to leave behind and what's a legacy the one idea we become a word simple but that's philosophy sir priyesh one but in a classroom when we are trying to educate what we are trying to do trying to take things from simple to the concrete the tangible measurable please understand 
that we may be great in whatever we do, but if nothing is taken away from a session, nothing concrete, then there's been no effect. Things have to be measurable, <coughs> from simple to the concrete, known to the unknown. We teach only what is known, but are we generating the curiosity to know what is the unknown? Are we taking them to a place to explore? That's education. Seen to the unseen. How do we explore? How do we research? How do we create the curiosity for them to explore what is not seen? So asking them, making them ask questions is what our challenge. Abstract to the concrete. An idea becomes a reality. General to the particular. Everybody is a generalist. We are living in super specialization. We have to help them to focus. Total to the partial. It's always nice to understand the reality in totality. But what particularly is important that has to be understood. Indefinite to the definite. Psychological. Mental to the real or logical or the rational. Analysis to synthesis. Bringing together the other to the known. All these are known, the other to the own. Everything that we teach children is about all that is there in the world. The apara should become the para. Why should I learn that? Why should I understand that? That is there, that's fine. Physics and anatomy and everything is there, economics, the politics. That's a word, that's okay. Why should I know that? How do I internalize that? How does information become knowledge and that becomes a skill? So that when I own something, the upper jnana becomes the parajnana, the, the, the mind. So there is other to the own. This is a preface of education, why we are there in a classroom. You can stop me any point of time. You can add something more beautiful to what I'm saying. So next. There is, uh, uh, some things are known, so I go through it. What is the process of education? Who is a trainer? What do I mean by human and living? We are living in something called as a knowledge economy. Today a tab is knowledge. Children are given tab by use to all kinds of things. So a book or element becomes knowledge. So children, one challenge of asking any student is a student of 10th standard, if we ask them, or what they do immediately after the exam, throw the book away. So therefore, do they know what they studied in 9, in 10? Do they know what they studied in 8, in 9? So what's happening is, it becomes an object, acquire, use it away, take it out. So initially, actually, knowledge is living. It transforms three lives. The teacher, the thought, and the subject itself. You've been putting in a lot of effort in teaching. I think every year you add something new to what you've been teaching. And every year the knowledge enriches us. And definitely the student gets enriched. Therefore, a knowledge is an object, not an object, but something which enriches itself, which evolves itself. That's a process we need to understand. A word which I say doesn't enrich, it is not evolving. So let's keep that in mind. Productive and pragmatic. Please understand, theory is very, very important. In fact, one of the comparative studies says that India spent a lot of time in theoretical knowledge and understanding. How the West went ahead is because 
they looked at the practical application and not looking at the East and the West theory. But then now they are coming back to the East in India saying that science is important, technology is an effect of it. But whatever it is, at the end of the day, are we giving too much of importance to theoretical? So the productive element becomes very important. All of you know about the learning outcomes. Before I go into a class, I have to tell them what is it I am doing, why is I am doing, and what is expected of them. Let's make it productive and pragmatic. Therefore, it's very important. A trainer, what does he do? He starts with a question, and then he goes to the answer. Why are you here today? It's an annual ritual, an annual culture of enrichment as teachers. So you go through it every year. But exactly, what exactly is there this year for you to learn? I have to pose the question and then I proceed. So here today's question is, how do teachers become trainers? Look at students in equanimity and try to help them evolve. Evolutionary and organic. You know that. It has to evolve. A very nice theory says that, I think I told you about that, that human evolution has to be conscious. If you are not conscious about how we are evolving, we don't know how we end up to be. So therefore, we evolve very consciously. An undesirable growth is cancer, they say. So in that context, evolutionary is being very conscious of the way. For example, I find a lot of teachers in the flow of things, educators these days, use of unparliamentary word has become very common taking things, the Freudian slip. There are no place for this in a classroom or an educative ambience. There are no accidents. Everything has to be deliberate. That's what I mean by evolutionary. And it has to be organic. Interactive and inquisitive. Now, asking questions. Uh, somebody told me, I don't know whether I showed. Inquisitive and interactive. Uh, we met an uh, uh, educational psychologist and he said a child of four to six years on an average asks 200 questions a day. I mean, we, we have children at home, they ask a lot of questions. So four to six, 200 questions a day. Let's take 200 as exaggeration, 100 questions a day. And what do parents do? No, no, you don't understand, keep quiet. And they get very fed up with that, perhaps very difficult to handle these children. They take all these children and put them in a kindergarten. So what happens? A teacher has 30 to 40 children asking 100 to 40 questions. So the only thing teacher does is shut up and quiet. So there's a very organized way of asking children not to ask questions, just sit down and listen. So therefore the art of inquisitiveness disappears somewhere. We have to bring it back. Aspirational. Aspiration is very important. If a student doesn't aspire to learn something from me, then I am wasting time. If I don't give the dream or aspiration in the day I meet him, he makes up the mind, he or she makes up his or her mind. The day they meet me or the day they come to this place, they build an aspiration in the day one. If they do not build an aspiration, then the purpose fails. So RV or education is about building aspiration, what they can become. Dr. Chitti's father built a beautiful aspiration which made him what he is today. 
as teachers, what aspiration do we give them is very, very important. And achievement orientation. It is continuous and contemplative. There's a word called shikshana. Shishta and kshana. Every moment, learning shishta. Shishta is discipline. It's shikshana. Every moment is learning. Contemplative. I'll come to that. There are a lot of types of thinking. Critical thinking, creative thinking. But I come to contemplative thinking. If we are not introspecting on what we are learning, then there's no point in learning it. Do we slow down, think about what the student or what I am learning, and see the applicability of in my life, then education may not solve the purpose. That's exactly the reason why trainers give a lot of pause and interact. What is the takeaway? What difference does it make? Are we bringing this into the classroom, or are we in the hurry of covering up a syllabus or orienting them for an examination? is what we have to think about. So this is a process of education as we understand. I am setting a preface in trying to be a trainer. Is it clear? You can stop me any point of time. Sometimes I get into the teaching mode. Please, sir, next one. These are realization symbols. This I took somewhere from Indian heritage of teaching. I like this a lot. One major difference today is, for example, when I ask who is a doctor, um, who is a doctor? One who heals. Yeah, one who heals. Somebody said one who consoles. Or somebody says one who holds a degree. You understand? How do we look at a profession? Who is an engineer? Who's an engineer? Sorry? Fixes things. Fixes things. Wants to solve a problem. Alright? Who's a teacher? One word? Sorry? Sorry? The word teaches. Can you replace? Who's a teacher? You're right. One who teaches everybody else. But what is teaching? Subject. Subject. Imparting knowledge. Sorry, ma'am? Imparting knowledge. And values. Very interesting. Imparting values and knowledge. Uh, interesting. Values become a little subjective. Good. Uh, very good. An influencer. Teacher so, can be an influencer. Absolutely. Teacher is an influencer. Teacher who sets an example. Inspires. I don't have the word for it, but someone who can take you where you are, show you your potential. Perfect. All this summing of somebody who can take you where you want to go, or if you are not realizing what you want to be, help you understand what you are and take. Essentially, somebody said, like I mean Guruaj Kartiki said, we are in the business of inspiration. So all this sums up that. So in that sense, the question to ourselves is, what is there? I was reading a very nice uh, article. Uh, I met a trainer who trains the Indigo staff. He's actually a trainer for civil aviation staff. <coughs> very nice conversation. I had some 10, 15 years of experience. He's from Goa. <coughs> I was asking, it must be difficult to 
train the cabin crew, especially in India, because I find Indian passengers or travelers can be quite rude and things like that. So being an air hostess must be quite difficult. What do you how do you train them to handle stress? So the fact of the matter is, we train them in martial arts, we train them in you know flying a plane, we train them in everything. Don't take them, they're just some good-looking girls. You understand? Now, there's one thing he said. Before all that, when passengers enter the aircraft, they stand there not for nothing. The two, three people stand right at the entry, of course, welcoming you all. In that one glimpse of the passengers coming in, they judge every passenger, understand we have trouble, trouble on board. Now, in that context, I took it very well. I said, what is that we want students or anybody to look in us or see in us? Is it our dress? Is it my, you know, whatever it is? So there is something that I want everybody to look at in me and see in me. What is that is what we have to define as whatever it is. So it's a realization, not an, I saw a phrase, you can't make a fish fly. So the same thing, it's Swami Vivekananda, somewhere in the Western concept, it's an acquisition. Here, these are the levels of teachers that we understand. Shikshak, instructor, tell them what is right and wrong, what to do, what not to do. You evolve into an upadhyaya, upadhyaya, a chapter to be learned, take them closer, upa. You take them closer, make them familiar with what needs to be learned. Then becomes adhyapak. Adhyapak is somebody who helps you get into the subject and understand what to take away from that, an adhyapak. Pandita. Pandita is a scholar. Scholar would know a wide variety of subject. You visit them to get specialized knowledge in something. Then comes Acharya. Acharya is somebody who imparts skill. You're all Acharyas because skill is what you teach. Anybody you can teach is an Acharya. For example, in humanities, why children in pure science and humanities are finding it very difficult to learn is because there is no skill element integrated into it. No teacher, no system tells a child why sociology is important. They think sociology is a subject only for civil services examination. So a doctor will finish his MBBS with a rank, takes up sociology and TS, becomes an IAS officer. So the point is, humanities and pure science is in threat because there is no skill orientation into it. Drishta is a visionary. Where, how do you build an aspiration? And finally, Guru. I give you the example of N.K. Sridhar. The interesting thing is, Guru does not teach anything. Guru just does his thing. That's why we had the word of Guru Kula. People stayed there, served him, and became what they wished to be. Now, so our ultimate aim to set an example or become a role model, as I said, just be the way we want to be, we should be, and the children will learn and they will follow. This is the evolution. So to be a trainer, how and where do we fit in? Do we realize this hierarchy? I don't call it a hierarchy, but then our ultimate aim to be set an example. It's a tragedy today. I saw an education institution uh, which said, the tagline, you know, the copy which said, What is that? Uh, Guru Devo Bhava is what we know. They actually had said Vidyati Devo Bhava. Now, that's changing times. 
it is actually there. Now, it's a student-centric learning, everything is fine. But look at the orientation, quite dangerous. Next one, sir. Reflections. How do I know, for example, whether I am being a trainer? A permanent change of behavior. A student sits in my class very well behaved and behaves well in front of me. That is not the purpose of education. It's not an accidental or a compulsive change in behavior. A permanent change of behavior. Acquisition of knowledge. Difference between information and knowledge. What could be information? Somebody said, we are living in an information era. Student knows everything about everything. So why teachers are required? Somebody said that's exactly why teachers are required because the whole generation is drowning in information. So therefore you need to help them survive. Selection of information is knowledge. There's so much. It's like going to a Google and searching something. There are misleading things. There are so many things. So how do I tell them what is important, what is to be learned, what need not be learned? Acquisition of knowledge. Experience-based understanding. Skills related to. Are we providing all these experience-based understanding? Now what is experiential learning? There's a lot of importance being given to it. That's where these people come in. So do they experience what is going on? Skills related to life and living. If they're not connecting their knowledge to what profession or life is relating to, there's no point. Aspirations and expectations. And creation of an ambience. This is where I want to. Other things are okay. Are we able to help an individual create an ambience of learning? For example, just look at the way a youngster or a student has. Beautifully, they create their own world. Is it a desirable world or an undesirable world? There is an ecosystem. What is an ecosystem? There are friends, there is society, there are organizations, there is natural element, there is a world. They create an ecosystem of their liking. Is it desirable or undesirable? So how do we create? In simple language, are we able to help, for example, a student or an individual create a small microcosm of the world. They are very comfortable with that. Today you cannot relate to any youngster. They are in their own world. Something in their ear and something they are watching. They may be traveling in the metro or they may be anywhere. They are walking on the road. Their world is complete. They created a virtual ecosystem. Now that may not be very desirable. But did we help them to create an ecosystem in terms of friends, in terms of professional mentoring, that's what we have to look at. Creating an ecosystem. And Shivam, as I understand, means a very conscious evolution. These are the reflections. When I'm interacting with a student in the class, I'm reflecting on whether these things are happening in the class. Whether I'm helping the students experience this, these are the reflections for a teacher as a trainer. Anything to add, you can. Yes, sir. I am conscious of time. These are elementary professors. Are we aware of all these things? Scope. When you train, this is the scope of learning. This is a cycle of learning. This is a cycle of ecosystem, I said. For example, do we understand who the student is? Are we aware of them? 
if you are not connecting to what the student is, I think uh, if I go to share experiences, um, I don't know whether I've told you about this. There are students with various stories. And if we don't understand them, we may not be learning or we may not be teaching them at all. I'd like to share this story again. Uh, there was this uh, brilliant student, um, nice student, a girl. And in one of the interactions, I found her to be very rude, very rude to me. And that is not something which I appreciate. So I had to snub her and say, meet me later. And she comes to meet me later. I said, I found your behavior surprisingly rude. Okay, where do you come from? I asked her about family and place and things like that. And what she revealed changed my life forever. Now, an individual girl, lower middle class, and uh, lives with her father because her mother left them when she was young. And the mother lives with another man right in front of her house. So father is an alcoholic. So this girl prepares everything right from her high school days, prepares food and everything, and serves her father. The father every day throws a plate on her face and gets into alcoholism. This goes on every day, every day. When I heard this story, now, an exception. But the point is, is there any attempt on our side to understand the profile of the student? So that becomes very important. Here the mentoring comes in. We have no idea about their experience, expectation, the status that's going on. If we need to be trained and connect to them, we have to understand. We are not getting into personal life, but we need to understand their profile. So understanding about student. Teacher, why am I here? For example, we are in a university. I am getting a lot of IIT PhD graduates coming in for a job. I said, it's very surprising. I said, good. Maybe you should be in industry and things like that. No. They are coming in because they just want to train children for IITs and GATE. I mean, from you are an IIT physics, MTech, and PhD from Banaras Hindu University. That's a big place. I said, I said, why did you learn? No, I want to be a teacher. Meaning what? A scientist? In answer, said, no, I want to train children to get to IIT. Now, that's the purpose of that gentleman. That's fine with you. But as a teacher, why am I here is the question that I have to ask. The course that you are programmed. If you are teaching a particular subject, biochemistry I found in physiotherapy or microbiology in an MBBS in different programs as different. What is the purpose of a course has to be understood. The curriculum, the content. Cayley uh, is a university. What we are experimenting is that students or the liberal education is about this. A student will come to a university. We offer say 250 courses from music to cricket to physics to economics. The student chooses and says I want to learn this. That's fine. Second thing is there is nothing called external evaluation. A teacher will design the course and say this is what economics contains and the students are free to take. The point I'm saying is to what extent are teachers involved in designing the curriculum? Because today we experience that I am teaching something which is not designed. So therefore, what is the freedom of 
they creating a curriculum now in a university system there are limitations but did i did i include did i enrich it with some of my elements is what curriculum is all about institution being a part of ale is a matter of pride i know when i say institution we find a lot of teachers especially from the government establishment they have very limited thing to speak positively about the system they work in and if there's so much of negativity around them it becomes difficult to connect the students in a positive way so institution the one thing which i amaze me is if they are not very comfortable with the system how do they continue to be there with so much of difficulty so institution the state because we are connecting to a state very simple our education system was designed as you know to set into a british or the western bureaucracy for example we train children for ias examination and we interact with a lot of ias people and they interact with children it's amazing to know the kind of power ias officers have and it continues the same over the last 150 years how and why very simple the british designed a bureaucracy so that they can rule this place sitting far away so the bureaucracy is very strong it's called the steel frame the point i'm coming to is how does the state look at the system so therefore do we relate to that state is what i'm trying to say evaluation mechanism how do we evaluate a student there is a system we are interacting with a lot of people so is it fair you ask the student how he wish to be evaluated some people may be good at writing some may be good at oral exam some may be doing something else so do they get the right to evaluate themselves or select the method of evaluation policy the national education policy and things like that we are fitting into something for example very simple why do what is the most important outcome of uh, learning physiotherapy what is the most important outcome learning outcome to create doctors medical health professionals correct if i ask the same question for a bcom college or a management institution the outcome is only what is called as placement and placement is measured in terms of the salary package they get so what is the outcome whom are we preparing is a question that we are looking at the family orientation is important it's not a part of it now society nature nation technology and the world world i'll come to it because others are very simple i'm just sharing examples world i think uh, india had a phenomena called the brain drain brain drain was where brilliant youngsters who studied here and went away abroad and settled down the point and they said india did not have the kind of facilities to support our knowledge so we go there and prosper they did a lot of scientists and engineers abroad are indians that's wonderful so that's not the point the point was as a matter of state in india when somebody was off what do you look at it and say about this brain drain youngsters and indians and young trained educated graduates going away and and you know serving the world that's a fine thing because they win nobel and other things they invent and they have five patents but the way it was looked at is what do you say about brain drain say it's better to have brain drain than have brain in the drain so therefore 
this is a kind of uh, very shocking perspective. So you prepare children so that they go away and now prospering the world is good, but how do you look at it? So this is where we look at as the system we worked in. So how do we realize what are the challenges in it? That's why I'm coming to next. Focus, teachers, there are some focus here. Why am I a teacher is the question I'm asking. Knowledge, communication, teaching. I'm a teacher, that's about it. There is some knowledge or information. I choose what is important. I communicate. I aspire for nothing more. Second one, knowledge creation. There's a great debate that happens. What is important for an institution, teaching or research? Teaching. Both are important. Very good. There are, I mean, it's both are important. There are people who strongly hold the view that research is the purpose of an institution. And an institution will gather world ranking based on research. No doubt at all. But the point is, the reality is, in an institution, even if there's one student, then teaching is slightly more important than research. Because communication is more important. That's secondary. But what is my purpose? Is it communication? This is a question we have to introspect. Is it knowledge creation? I am not interested in what the students are taking away from me. I am interested in my research output, my impact, my index, my citations, my research publications. What am I working for? Contextual application. Neither teaching nor research. I take the student away and just tell them what to learn. Am I looking at it? What is very important? Is it skill? Service and personal honor. The subject will be there. The student will learn. Do I take the student for service, for internship, for rural immersion? There are great examples of many institutions. For example, a lot of new places are coming up. No new institution. The valleys, <coughs> things like that. But you find a lot of institution, it's an open school. Aurobindo in, 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 in Pondicherry has no school. And Shantiniketan is an open school. In fact, it was called as Vidyaranya. It's a forest. So that is service and personal honor. You conduct service and get generic honor. Guidance and mentoring. Subject will be there, the career will be there, the examination will happen. But I am interested in helping each individual child to evolve. Is that my purpose? Freedom and creativity. I will never tell children what to learn. Find out what is there to enjoy and express it. Is that my purpose? Institution building. I want to be a teacher or a faculty which helps my institution to generate the best world ranking. Nation building. I am a teacher because we are responsible for the future that we are creating. So I will prepare children for what the world needs from India. Growth. We ask a lot of people why you want to be teachers. They say teachers get a lot of vacation and the salary is good. <laughs> now, maybe that's a reality. So the point is, where do we fit in here is a question we have to ask. Is it, I am communicating, am I creating, am I teaching them a training or a skill, 
Is it for personal honor? What is very important for a student? Work for honor. Otherwise, training each child as individual. Is it offering freedom and creativity? This is a question we have to ask before we try to be a trainer or a teacher. Anything to add to this? Is there anything I've left out? Maybe some of the purpose of teaching to become a trainer? It's very important. This workshop is an experience to learn. Please, thank you. I'm getting very monotonous. Thank you for breaking it. Please. Centric, you find is a kind of a depreciation in the way teaching is conducted. Learning, Learning is conducted. I agree, man. It's Two things. It's becoming more narrow than being It's getting narrow. Um, I would like to ask a question. I appreciate and that's the way it is. I would like to just present a certain perspective. presenting a perspective. When we were students, the source of guidance or information were very limited. The teachers had no competition. Here the teachers have a competition. When I say that, the point is our natural evolution, today we are not the only source of mentoring or instruction for them. Therefore, we have to look at what are their expectations and customize it, point one. Second thing, I think it's a natural evolution of expressing what creativity and freedom is all about. Third element it was there. Somebody asked me long time ago when I started teaching, hey, what do we do? I said, I teach. I know, but what do you teach? I said, I teach economics. He told me, stop teaching economics and start teaching students. Now the point I'm coming to is, he told me that it was, I said, I stopped for a while and should, it, nothing worked me for 20 minutes. The point is, it's a very valid question. Now here my perspective is, as teachers, students are evolving in times. Education is evolving in times. As teachers, are we evolving is a question we have to ask. So therefore, 
times change, expectations change, opportunities are changing. Are we evolving is a question. So it's very natural, I understand, perspectives change. So therefore, perhaps, maybe I don't know whether I answered your question, there is definitely a student-centric learning happening. Maybe it's because the kind of opportunities that's emerging and so natural evolution. But I also believe that uh, teachers have stopped learning. So therefore, they realize it is a challenge in addressing the students' needs. So that's one way I look at it. In that context, some theories I'd like to present here very, very quickly before I go into it. Uh, seven years ago, there was a proposal by a university grants commission stating that all PhD thesis should be revised after six years. Good idea, bad idea. So, a PhD doctorate would come with an expiry date of six years. Good idea. Good idea. Perfect. Would everybody welcome the idea? No. So that is, no, I don't know whether it's a good idea or bad idea. Depending on what knowledge, of course, but uh, it's now proven. That's why our even IITNs, by the time they come out, what they have learned is already outdated. It's fact, shelf life of knowledge. In fact, man, in humanities at least, or, or pure sciences, it says one third of the knowledge is getting outdated technically every year. Now, in that sense, now this is just an example about how we are looking at our own profession. I don't know. Of course, naturally, there was few exceptions, but large majority did not even think about it. So the proposal gloriously went to the chef. These are some theories which are emerging about learning. The whole question is, are we aware of it? Multiple intelligence theory by Gardner, which is every individual has intelligence which can be categorized. Are we aware of it? Are we communicating it? This Benjamin Bloom, how is teaching actually measured from defining to creating a model? Am I helping my student just to understand the concept and define it? Am I helping him to create a model out of it? Am I aware of this? This exists. If it exists, it has to be applied. People know lateral thinking. We are helping or we are making students think what we wish to. But are we just helping them because of thinking? You think the way I tell you is a paradox of thought. So, therefore, these are some evolutions of teaching methodologies. Are we aware of that is a question I wanted to propose. These are beautiful theories you can go into. The point I am saying is, somebody like Suresh Raju, you cannot repeat the same training to two different groups. So in that context, are we teachers who are repeating the same thing is a question I essentially want to propose. Oh, thank you. Teacher attributes. I'll come to this. We have uh, graduate attributes. If I were to ask you, please define the attributes or qualities of your students, what you want them to be after they graduate. I think it must be there in the vision document. Are we able to define what do I expect my student to graduate and become or possess the qualities? That's secondary. But what are the teacher attributes? What are the qualities I expect in a teacher or I expect in myself is what teacher attributes is all about. Effective. 
effective is to be emotional or to have a very nice affectionate attitude towards student, subject and profession. It's so nice, Dr. Chitti from homeopathy to allopathy. All right? I'm back. I'm back. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I came to hear as a thing is, it's just a question I want to ask. Our sense of affection towards students, affection is a certain kind of bonding, or the subject that we are teaching, or the profession we are in. I think many of us, I don't know because I know professional medical profession students, people prepare, choose and land up there. So there's no question about that. But people like me, lot of us, we just landed up here. We did not choose to be. So therefore, essentially, does a teacher spread a great amount of affection about the job they are doing, or do they carry a lot of non-affectionate dimension? Do they like what they are doing? Is the first question. Is a teacher, somebody in the class, somebody said very beautifully, said, it's students are like mirrors. So you enter a classroom, you're looking at say 16 mirrors. And you smile at a mirror, it smiles back. And you don't, it's... So essentially, what you carry into the classroom is what you get. Now, do we have that attribute is what the question is. Do we like the profession or the subject or the students? Just interacting with a lot of teachers, I hear this word, I mean, half the students are hopeless. And that's a very tragic word. Half the fellows are using Now, these are very strong words. And if it stays in the mind, it reflects in the behavior. And if it does, then the work doesn't get done. So therefore, even if there's one element of disaffection toward a student in the classroom, or generally in this institution, then the teacher attribute gets limited and effectiveness gets limited. So are we affectionate about these? Access. Are we accessible to students? And are we flexible? Do we teach what the students require for a specific context? Or do I teach what I want to teach? Am I concerned about what they need? Achieve. In an interview, a simple question was asked. Forget all your beautiful resume and biodata and profile. Tell me, what is that? how did you grow in the last three months? It was a very tough question. But then, we have to know about it. In this last year, did I grow as a teacher? What did I achieve in terms of knowledge, in terms of change, in terms of learnability? If I have not changed, I cannot expect my students to change. So, achieve. I, everybody wants to be an achiever. Very simply, let me tell you, I am not into training. But I meet a lot of trainers. A lot of trainers come to train with the sense of achievement. It's a very autobiographical session. Trainers come and exhibit their super achievement. It's wonderful. But the essential point, they are achievers. You know, you call somebody like Mondas Pai. Mondas Pai is not a trainer. You know about it. For two hours, he go on non-stop with a lot of numbers and credible information. And he goes away. He hardly cares whether people were listening to him. It doesn't matter. Because he is an achiever. In that sense, do I come here and justify my own presence here? Have I achieved something? That's a question. As a teacher, what did I achieve in terms of knowledge? What is it I learned? And 
what did I change? Approach towards the whole process. Ethical, technical and connected. I'll keep the technical and connected part away. Ethical. Do I connect to everybody? Is there a bias? Ethical. Am I very fair? Now ethics is largely you know about morality, but are we ethical? For example, uh, I mean, you know about it. Uh, the, the, the way uh, certain sessions are conducted, do we trust our students is the question I have to ask. I let them into an examination and say, please write the examination. You don't need a policeman, I'll go out. Are we confident of that is a question. So these are questions I'm raising. I, I do this and students are always in a shock. But then it can't happen. These days, I mean, I don't know. Uh, for an examination hall, I don't know what all the uh, you know, security <coughs> checks that goes into it. Right? So where is the ethics coming in is a question that bothers me. Approach to be very ethical. Assessment. Assessment is... How are we assessing the learning quotient and corrective action? You know the interesting thing, ma'am asked about the changing orientation towards students. Punishment was very common. I mean, we all experienced beautiful varieties of punishments. But what happens is, sometimes it was over, sometimes good, but anyway, it went on. The interesting thing about punishment is, if it's over, if it's not justified, it's not correctly placed, the students are enjoying it. And that's a problem. So as a teacher, do I know what is the corrective measure required? What is the quantum of it? What is the timing of it? Over a period of time, if it's missed, and it's psychology simple. A student does something wrong. My corrective measure of punishment is disproportionate. He looks at it simple. I did something wrong. I got paid for it. So I can repeat it again, I'll get paid for it. There was no... And over a period of time, this becomes a certain kind of sanctioning to enjoy. Somebody actually said that, you know, sazaka mazalena. You understand, no? So corrective measure, how do we actually... Are we correcting an action? Are we correcting a person? Is a question we want to ask in terms of assessment. That's why so much of importance is given to feedback and, you know, all the star rating, assessment and things like that. So let's assess them. Aspiration for the self. As a teacher, what is that I want to achieve, what I want to become? And what are my aspirations for the student? And what is the aspiration for the process? Have we changed the way we teach? Have we changed the way we interact? Have we changed the way we do anything? That's a question I have to ask. Is the same process, is the same interaction, is the same? Is there any element of change to bring about some kind of improvisation is aspiration? It's a beautiful society. Japanese society is very nice to study about. It's a very, very nice society to study about. When we talk about quality, Japanese have a host of quality instruments, right from you know, Kaizen and whatnot. So their essential element is this. If you're not improvising on anything, then why do it? I'll give you a simple example. I was in Bergam, I mean, I'm in Bergam now. There you have foundries. 
In foundries, there's a process called fettling, F-E-T-T-L-I-N-G. After something is cast, the metal is brought into a shape, you'll find a lot of rough edges in the casting. And therefore, one fine day we were seeing in a presentation, there was a Japanese delegate who was there in foundry cluster, and uh, industry from Coimbatore came with a new fettling machine, which he said, you spend a lot of time correcting the rough edges of a cast, edges of a casting, so why do you put it in the machine and it will smoothen it out? So all people, all the foundry managers in Belgium, oh, wonderful, this will save a lot of labor, a lot of time, and it's a wonderful thing. The Japanese engineer was wondering, sorry, I have a small question. What's the question? Why do you allow those rough edges to come at all? Why don't you make the casting so smooth and nice, you don't have those rough edges? Here you are developing a machine and resulting in a lot of wastage of time and money to remove the rough edges. Why was your not casting not so perfect? And this is as simple as that. So the point I'm saying is, how do we look at improvisation? Is there some improvisation in what we are doing? Attitude. Is it an ambience of joy? Because only happiness creates. But today, what is the ambience in a classroom generally? It's fear. Discipline or fear in the name of discipline. So therefore, we know what happens. It has to be a sense of joy in creating an ambience of learning. So these are the teacher attitudes. Affectionate, accessible, achievement-oriented, approach to be very ethical, assessment to be correct and clear, and aspiration towards the holistic development, and an attitude of happiness. Somebody presented on happiness. How do we define happiness? Good. One more. State of mind of? And what affects our happiness right now? Happiness is very simple. I mean, as I understand, happiness is an ability to be in the present. It's about 12.20 on 21st October 22. If I'm at 12.20, I'm happy. If I'm at 1 o'clock, I'm not happy. If I'm at 10.30, I'm not happy. So if I'm going to and fro, I'm not happy. Am I just experiencing what's happening? I'm happy. Why it is so difficult today to be happy is because we are in the Evernet. We are connected to the world through our phone. We are worried who's knocking on our doors. We are, we are worried who's liking or disliking or commenting on our posts. You know, who's calling, who's not calling, who's bothered, who's not bothered. So therefore, Joyce, I'm in the classroom, I'm nowhere else. So this is what is joy all about. Joy is being in the present, not worrying about examination or lunch or what happened in the previous class. Are we able to create that ambience is what teacher attributes so far. So, we are dealing with the generation Z. This is a great challenge. Look at some features. It's very difficult to understand. Generation Z. Z. Why is it called Generation Z? Somebody beautifully said that. X and Y, millennials. After millennials, we are in Generation Z. Why are they called Generation Z? Sorry? Sorry, ma'am? Oh, Zen mode. One more simple. 
good. It's a very nice, interesting thing. Why are they called Generation Z? Because they think they are the end of evolution. They have evolved. Humankind has evolved. That's what they believe. Anyway, inheritors of unprecedented chaos. There's a new word called, the word was called as VUCA, V-U-C-A. Volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. That's gone. Now the new word is called Bani. That's what Suresh Rajasar said. It's brittle, it is anxious, it is non-linear, and it is information overloaded. Brittle. Very weak word we are in. It's been eight months since Ukrainian Ukrainian Russia fighting. They don't know why. And they have no idea when to stop. Forget the word, forget the politics. Look at the relationship. So brittle. In a place like Belgrade, I'm talking about five years ago, there are how many? 20 divorces every day. In the court of law. The point I'm saying is relationship to equations, the world and nature, everything is brittle, delicate. You know, you can't do. Have you seen the way why people are ending their lives? It's amazing. For no reason always. So brittle. Anxious. There's so much of information and they believe the, the, the fastest, the survival of the fastest, not the fittest. So we are all in a hurry to take decisions. So it's very anxious, so much of information. Non-linear. There's no connectivity between the cause and effect. Either in terms of what happens, how much it happens. So the point I'm saying is therefore, the generation today is termed as the inheritors of unprecedented chaos which means there's lot is happening. So we are dealing with a generation which is not very clear where the world is. Some of their features, digital natives, they don't live in physical reality. Half of them in the virtual world. They just see, they are seen around, but they're actually living somewhere else. How do you connect to them? Multitasking. They don't want to do one thing at a time because they believe multitasking is efficiency. They are driving, they are eating, they are speaking, they are listening, they are doing so many things. Multitasking. Somebody sitting in the classroom is not into one thing. Multiple things. So how do I use that kind of energy? Extremely competitive. Extremely competitive to such an extent, they upload a picture on the social media, they want to get more likes than their friend. That is a sense of competition. Very, very competitive and pragmatic. Independent. I think we know about it. Not dependent on anything, including any ideology. They are very, very independent. So how do I tell them what I'm teaching is important to them? Materialistic. You see them, it's visible. They get bored of an iPhone 14 in two months. How materialistic is that? So therefore, materialism. Present. They are in the present. What is that called? Mindfulness. That's positive. But move on. Forget it. Don't carry baggage. Move on. Diversity. Very, very diverse. Their areas, their interests are very, very diverse. They are not just in one line of thinking. Joyful. They seek joy. Whatever cost it may be. I'll give you an example. They don't understand... The other day I was traveling and I asked, there was a friend's family with a young child, a teenager. I play some guzzle. 
the strings of ghazal that the uh, teenager got disturbed what is this music this you know ghazal is so full tragic song no they don't understand that can be music so that's kind of joyful focused they want to make as much money as possible as simple as that please understand not earn make money so in making anything is okay <laughs> interactive they are very very interactive they would have all kinds of friendly possibilities they would indulge in all kind of debates so they would like an interaction they are realistic and look at the last word ethical this is proven that the generation today is more ethical than what we understand them to be although there are certain debates about it their values are different but they are ethical in terms of for example you talk to anybody they don't understand why will people fight in the name of religion and caste and things so in that way they have a very strong sense of rights and wrongs they know this is not the way to see so that is sense of ethics there is a great amount of consciousness about environment animal rights human rights rights of others that sense of ethics is there freedom to think and to be this is the generation we are dealing with our challenge is digital negativity materialism and diverse interests right so we deal with this features of a learner to be a trainer we need to understand the features of a learner age please sorry yes ma'am sorry i'm please 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 go ahead sir can the word judgmental or non judgmental be added perfect i mean just a query which one do you want to add judgmental or non what do you think that there is do you want to add that is of replace one here No, no, no okay, you right. Yeah, as ma'am asked, judgmental or non-judgmental? The present generation is non-judgmental than the previous situation. Good. Our era is more of judgmental. You're right. Perhaps that's the reason the survey gave the word ethical more. They're more considerate, as you rightly say, non-judgmental. So are you saying we had more biases than them? Prejudices and bias. So more. which is not really good correct so that way the ethics fits them you right um they are extroverts present generation are extroverts yes, extroverts interactive, interactive and expressive expressive they would express anything you're right you're right you're right non judgmental we were perhaps more biased and that's why they don't understand the present political debates or the social debates today they don't understand what are these people fighting for that's being realistic that's the same as me exactly exactly being realistic seek material pleasure and joy and progress together and never get involved with emotional baggage i'm not realizing what you say for focus they are very clear about what they want to very clear you are the devotion now whether it's right or wrong i don't know but they know and they will get it so it's all about letting them know whether the focus is right or how to reorient it it could be money fame i mean it's it's really amazing um and this can change but it's a focus i'm dealing with one of our colleagues daughter she did puc science because her friends were doing she did very well then she said puc science 
Then she got into IT and society. It's on IIIT Bangalore, Indian Information Technology. IT and society. How IT society. She graduation of that. No, she did sociology for graduation. Then IT and society for PG. Now, no, I want to be a pilot. Now, that's amazing. Right? And, second, and when we talk to youngsters, they're very clear about where do they want to study and what do they want to study. That focus is there. But this variety of options is something we could have guided them. So that is called focus. Yeah. So. Age and gender, an awareness of age and gender, difficult to teach people as they age. Gender. Easy to train whom? The male or the female? The men or the women? In Do we Gen Z, it is easy to train the men. Sorry, ma'am. The you? Gen Z, the Gen Z, the, this generation's boys, it's easy to handle the Really? Girls. Oh, <laughs> we take it as a compliment. Our generation, it was easy to handle the girls and the boys. <laughs> That's really good. I'm very happy to hear this. But you know, there's such a transformative change in the gender profile of professional colleges, engineering colleges full of girls now, which never used to be happened before. So the point is, girls are learning fast, they are learning better, and they're doing better. But as ma'am says, generation Z, men or the boys are better learners. This is something pan-India, pan-global, right. you will see girls, and that's why maybe we are now having these initiatives, NDA started admitting girls, and all. Right. it's also because of population-wise, number of more girls will be more institution. in future, and, I mean, any industry where there is not a woman or girl to say, that industry could collapse, because your generations ahead are going to be very nice, allow me to uh, present to perspective. One of the reasons also could be it's nice development that girls are getting more opportunity for learning also. That's also one reality. <coughs> Ma'am also spoke about organizations are going to be, you know, a uh, lot more women-oriented in the future and things like that. In that context, this is also going to drive the gender equality debate to a certain level. I mean, I'll go to that later, but that's a reality that... Age and gender. So what's the profile? Oh, easy to teach men or women or boys or girls. I'm happy and surprised to say that boys are quick learners than girls. Needs and abilities. No, I didn't say quick learners. Better? No, easy to handle. Easy to handle. Oh, okay. Handle. It's Quick learners probably girls. Got it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> allow me here. Has to be very clear. <laughs> allow me here to add. That's what I would say. Man said it's easy to handle women. You know, all of you know about the Me Too, uh, the the issue that happened some three years ago, controversy. Uh, we met quite a few industrialists, business people, who literally got scared of us. And they said, we are now trying to hire as less women as possible because we don't want any. So in that context, when ma'am says it's easy to handle men or the women, no, I don't know. The point I'm coming to is, 
there seems to be greater opportunity for raising a concern or expressing, being expressive and things like that. But society is seeing multiple uh, areas of emergence or differences and things. Needs and abilities. Please, please go ahead. So, where to influence, what to influence. Like, a, like the compartmental box. Exactly, exactly. exactly. And uh, you can definitely take the kind of liberties in interaction with men that you cannot deal with women. So, that's also makes it easier. I strongly believe the greatest teacher a man can have is a daughter. And it's that as simple as that. I agree. <laughs> Needs and abilities. Do we understand this? Something called diagnostic assessment. Getting into an education, we assess an individual as to what are the strengths and weakness and rank them. Today, absolute grading is gone. It's all relative grading to compare to their own strengths. So, how you have grown in this one day is what Sir was asking. Similarly, we do a diagnostic assessment: what they were good at and how they evolved. <coughs> so, needs and abilities are identified. Skills and orientation. What is the orientation? There are three essential orientations we talk about. Usually, power, possession and honor. What is very important? Is it power, possession or honor? Power is sense of influence. Honor is sense of respect. And possession is sense of material. What drives a generation? Power, possession, honor. Three are there, but possession is what drives. It's about how much you acquire, that's very important. Do we know what drives them? Do I know what drives me? Is the question. Why are we into teaching? Not because we command a lot of power, but it gives us a sense of honor. So we need to understand their sense of orientation. Language and culture. Now, when I say language here, we know for some reason or the other that English has come to mean a sense of power. English has come to mean a sense of confidence. English has come to mean a sense of empowerment. Now we have to actually address that issue very strongly. So therefore, sense of language and sense of culture. When I say culture, how socially connected they are in terms of religion, in terms of community, in terms of social. We deal with a lot of youngsters who are student leaders, for example, and their orientation is very, very different. We deal with a lot of youngsters who are animal rights activists. Their orientation is very different. So this way, what are the orientation the youngsters have is something we need to understand. Health and physiology. Is the new generation more healthier or less healthier than perhaps the older one? 
physically, mentally, both. And why exactly? The food and habits and health? All right. Right. You're right. Uh, one test of health. One day we asked our students, today I want all of you to sit on the floor and we'll have a class. I be. It's difficult to sit on the floor. And we know something is seriously wrong. No? So that's a simple indication of everyone. Family and history. History here say experience. Today a lot of people are coming back to the college from industry and learning. So therefore, do they come with an experience? We've been teaching a lot of people, especially professional courses, we find it's advisable that the students or the people don't enter into a professional course academically. It's always nice if they come with a certain kind of practical exposure, then the professional learning becomes all that more enriching. So we experience that in a class. People who come with a certain understanding of either managing their family business or having some exposure to what profession is, then coming from academic background, we understand their history and orient them differently. And family, of course. It's been very, very enriching experience teaching management. You can't teach management to Gujarati family children. You can't teach business to them. No way. They, it's Jane group of institutions where I worked for quite some time. Jain group of institutions started because a lot of Jain and Marwadi children dropped out immediately after school and got into their business. So this one day, the founder, Chandra Jain, he was a big man in terms of business. He himself was a dropout. He had another square amount of wealth. He built that trustee of the Jain Hospital, Bangalore. Somebody from his community came to him and said, take recommendation, I think Jesus institution, Christ, wants some admission. Please come to recommend my son to for admission in this Jesuit institution. So Chandra Jain goes, he's a rich man. By the age he was 23-24. We had some association with Ambani then. So he goes with this friend and his son to admit him to PUC to that college. There the Reverend Father tells him only one thing. If studies is not for you people, go sit in some business. That one sentence changed the way Chandra Jain looks at the world. If the world is looking at Jain and Marwadi youngsters like this, So then he took it and he went into education. Now the point I am coming to is how family orientation also becomes important in terms of knowledge. Academic. Academic features, sense of knowledge, what do they wish to learn? Experience, expectations and goals. Why are they learning what they are learning? It's very, very simple. I find a lot of... We had an interaction with a youngster. I don't know whether I've told you about it. We are building up a university, so we are interacting with a lot of people. We interacted with a youngster who is a mathematical genius. His name is Inavamsi. Inavamsi is an MSc from New York University, MS in Mathematics. Chennai Institute of Mathematics, BSc, did MS in US, and he's got a couple of patents at the age of 18, he had written a book. Now, he is a project head for creating a science museum. 
Science and Philosophy Museum in Bangalore. 26 year old boy, he's a genius by any stretch of imagination. We called him. We were trying to have an interaction with him, asking him, how do you want a university to be? How do you want the place to be? Young boy come, brilliantly speaks. One thing, all of your teachers I know, take out all your concept of university out of your mind. What do you want? University should be a, or a place of learning should be a beautiful resort where youngsters come and enjoy. Go on, we are listening to him. Means what? First thing, if you are thinking of any disciplinary rules, forget it. No smoking, no drinking, no kind of thing, take it out. If you still want, have a rehabilitation center in your campus. But don't ask the children not to smoke and drink. Go on, we are listening, he said. He went on with revolutionary ideas. I am looking at what do these youngsters are expecting and experiencing. What do they want? You understand? So expectations have changed. So definitely we are not going to be that way because finally we asked him a question. All these things be wonderful. Can you please come with your parent and tell the same thing in front of them? Oh, that boy said, no way. Then go ahead. You Now the point, you can't blame the boy. There are institutions like that. There are places like that. So the point I'm saying is, what do you want to be and what do you want the children to expect becomes very, very important. So goals. Social. Concept of self. How does he understand? What is his priority? He is a family priority. He is a peer group priority. He is a society priority. Where does he derive his sense of self? What I'm going to say. Sense of family and roles and association. Roles. We know that large number of universities in India are places to foster political ideology. We meet a lot of people from JNU. People are going on studying there for 10, 15 years. PhD and MPhil and goes on and on. You know, the whole idea is not about study. It's about somehow trying to get into either civil service or get into a political party. So because that's the kind of association. So why are children with us is what? Why do Indian youngsters go abroad to study? We meet a lot of youngsters come, we want a recommendation letter to study abroad. Why are you going there to study? It's not study. Experience is a foreign experience. And they come, come back with different, different, different perspectives. But the point is, what exactly is they want to achieve? What is the experience they want to have is what we need to understand before connecting to them. They are. I think you must have met a lot of youngsters who come with such great aspiration as to they really want to change the world. And they really do. I mean, I, we have had met students who, who, who aspire, sir, I want to travel in a car with a beacon and end up crack, becoming a DSP because he always dreamed of that. A young girl in PUC goes on studying forever. Even if I say that it's not important so much to study to pass your PUC, because I'm not studying for PUC, I want to be a chartered accountant. And she becomes a chartered accountant at the age of 21. So these are stories. What are their goals? Becomes very important. And some people are there, just take a degree. Sir, don't compel me to learn everything. I will take 40% and walk out of this place. Fair with me. If this is what he expects, it's okay with me, because he has made up his mind. So this is what we understand. What are their social expectations from themselves? Cognitive skills. Cognitive skills. Their attention span. Today, never speak any sentence for more than eight, which 
takes their attention for more than eight seconds. It doesn't stay with them. Give them a break after two minutes because they don't have, you know, the screen addiction. Today, television or music is not about listening, it's about watching. Today, you can't give a child a remote control and he will not stick on to the same channel for more than 30 seconds. You know, it's like an AK-47, he keeps shooting at the screen. So there's no possibility of concentration. How do we expect them to... In fact, yesterday, I had to pack up something because today I had a class. So I went into the class and said, I requested my colleague, I'll extend my class, one and a half to three hours. What madness is cruelty, he said. It was cruelty, so I didn't take for three hours. So the point is, things have changed. Their attention, their memory, what do they remember? They do have memory, but what they remember is what is not we desire for. This visual, <coughs> auditory and kinesthetic, it's an NLP program, NLP idea, which says there are three ways of neuro-linguistic programming. How does your brain convert information into understanding? For some it's visual, for some it's auditory. You listen to a good music, you close your eyes, you know, audit. kinesthetic, lot of experience. Please add all elements of it in trying to train. This visual, auditory, speaking to them, kinesthetic, give them exercises to do it. Intellectual ability, what is their level of intellect? Are they able to understand? Sometimes we get into, I used to teach a subject called consumer behavior. Consumer behavior is why do we behave uh, the way we behave in buying things. It has got element of marketing with psychology. So when you try to explain certain behavior and you get into a certain philosophy or psychology, students want, sir, exam or how is it related to my subject? Poor thing, they were prepared only to understand selling and buying, not something higher. So if I go to a higher order, then I'm just wasting their attention. So intellect, how much is important has to be understood. Attitude towards learning and thinking styles. How do they think? Very, very important. I'm not talking about positive and negative. There are various. Today there's a science called meta-thinking. Thinking about thinking. How do we think? Visually, verbally, linguistically and things like that. We need to understand their thinking styles. How and by what? So these are trying to understand cognitive skills. These we understand basically through exercises and giving them a presentation to understand. For example, the way we people speak, we can understand how they think. I mean, I'm not like... Uh, we have some brilliantly, extraordinarily scholarly people. You know, we have some people. There's one man. We call him a professor of everything. You ask him anything. He's starts a statement is, see, he says, means, it naturally comes, see, you don't understand. You ask him anything, his entire talk starts with, see, it's, so he says, you don't understand, listen to me and see, this is the truth. We have another professor, you ask him, no, 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 you understand, no, this indicates a cause of thinking, alright, so, use of words is an indicator of thought, so, 
I mean, I'm not getting into too higher order of meta thinking, but the point is language exhibits the way people think. Alright? So understanding cognitive skills. So premise. Premise. Finally, I, I, I am aware of the time. You can take anything from here and we can have an interaction. Teach students, not subject, because subject has to be internalized by the student. Alright? A person understanding economics, now yours is professional, right? But everybody has a certain way of understanding, internalizing, so that's what it means. Self-monitoring and grading. Let the individual grade himself or herself and their own learning. Discussion improves trust. The more we discuss, it improves trust because it conveys the meaning that the students are contributing to something. So it's a mutually enriching journey. Time in the spotlight. It's very interesting. You know, somebody told me if you are a teacher, the best thing you can do is sit down and listen to students. I'm amazed how you people can sit for two days and listen to us like this. The point I'm coming to is time in the if, let every student get a time in the spotlight. Mm. You know, all this we all of us yes. have our own time in the sunlight. We all will be famous four minutes in our life. That's a different story. But make every individual famous for some time and see how he behaves. Time, give him a time in the spotlight. Leisure is the absence of agenda. We have leisure. Now, is it ever possible that we can come and say there is no agenda today? Just let's sit and chat. Can we have a class? Just come and say, okay, forget nothing. Let's have a chat. Students learn the teacher. It's very important. Students will always learn. Whether it's a subject or the teacher, that's up to us. If they don't learn the subject, they learn about us. Synergy versus synthetism. Combining energy, synergy and bringing to, together critical elements of syncretism can be invited. So I was asking about, give us a positive feedback. Can we have a session where say, give me all the negatives about me? Syncretism helps. Synergy was, it works sometimes. This is what I actually like. Learning how to earn. Not money at all. Today, we say we are dealing with a generation which enjoys entitlement. They believe they have a right over everything, deserve everything. So therefore, they are not sure about how to earn something. What do I mean by that? Is respect natural or to be earned? They have to know that. Is attention natural or to be earned? So a student has to understand how to earn. He or she doesn't have a natural right over my time. He has to understand about it. He has no natural right over my admiration, my attention. So it's not about just money. He has to learn or earn knowledge. He has to earn my respect. He has to earn my attention. Essentially, he has to learn how to deserve something. And that has to strongly go communicate. For example, just my personal experience, the greatest corrective measure I have experienced offering to my student is, if I find somebody is not meeting up or some corrective measures required, I would say, maybe you may not be able to meet me for the next rest of the term. 
and that it becomes very difficult for him to handle because he can't come to me. So, because he lost the right of my time. So in that sense, as trainers, we like to teach them how to earn everything, attention to time. Just, just one. Uh, please, I mean, please, just to please. add. Uh, I mean, this, this is a very new learning for me also. Uh, in management schools and or in many degree uh, colleges, you know, general degree granting colleges, one thing I think this is very, very, very uh, uh, something ha uh, something very critical for colleges to understand and also the students to understand. They pay the fees not to earn the degree but to earn the job. I'm telling you this from a very specific perspective. Okay. Uh, I've been a part of a very premium fee school in Bangalore. The fees is uh, you know ten lakh rupees. And uh, at the end of it, they would not have attended the actual percentage of at attendance required. They would not have, have attended all the trainings required. They end up coming and paying, uh, you know, uh, influencing and writing the exam and finishing it off. Then they come for placements. <coughs> they tell, uh, you know, uh, what about my placements? And they tell it as if they have already earned it by paying the fee. You know, how they tell it is, see, see you said, Average 10 lakh rupee package, and I have paid my fees. Better give my job. They don't. They don't even know whether they are eligible for a job. Okay? They don't know whether they have the right skills. They can't answer two questions in an interview. But they feel that they have already earned it by paying just the fee. It could. It could be true in any any uh, you know any kind of a college. So this is something. Absolutely. That uh, you, you take admission and you'll get the job. Absolutely. Right. Don't say you learn the scores and you, you know develop the skills and you'll get the job. That's where no, we, are that, we are selling the seats. So in that context, sir and ma'am, it's 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 very nice experience and it's also very very enriching as an individual teacher to communicate this very strongly to them. Even if an institution has communicated something inadvertently, individually, it, it, it commands a lot of power to make them understand that they are not entitled. They, my, the, the admission to my class, the rights of admission is reserved. So that sense of, they need to understand not to be entitled, but to earn everything. So that is something which, if you can please. Yep. The B schools themselves, sir, they put big holdings, placement, you know, Infosys, this, that. They are attracting such sort of a behavior. So why to put a wrong blame on? No, no, no. My intention was not to put a wrong blame. I was so connecting to what, what uh, sir was telling. No, sir. But, but this is a usual B school uh, students. Uh, uh, I have uh, in my family also B school uh, products. So, uh, it's, it's a usual thing that, you know, they advertise like that, that you, you come to our institute, we have a lot of patients, they are not, uh, you know, focusing on uh, what you said, like you have to be in the class or you have to be, it's, it's a job placement as sir already said, B schools is always placement. In this context, ma'am, sorry ma'am, in this context, let me just give a comparison. Every institution has a core positioning. A core area of what it stands for, as you rightly say, B school because children or parents want jobs, so placement is it. 
There's another institution, say for example, Flames Pune, Flame University Pune. They are a liberal education university of wonderful model. Uh, Paraksha is a founder. And you ask him, what does your university stand for? My university stands where students can come and learn anything they want. We're given. Jo jobs is more responsibility. Because I've given them the option to learn and a BA will cost you 15 lakhs. That's a different story. Because they can learn anything they want, don't ask me for job. I give you the freedom. What to make out of it is yours. So in that context, you're right. Your positioning is based on that. But sometimes over-marketing takes away the essential thing. Here, here in, in, in Jain College, we had parents coming into why do you want your child to learn in this? So you have those elements which influence the child's behavior as well. But you're right, the positioning and the communication of it may be varied. But as a teacher, I believe you can influence their behavior in the class the way you deal with them. So their right to entitlement can be corrected. Yes. This is easy. I will not take much time. I've taken too much of time. I have gone from A to Z. All right? Training. Ambience. What is the ambience in the session? Is it an ambience of threat, neglect, or joy? There are students, I don't even look at them. There is ambience of threat. Stand up when I come, or attendance is important. Threat. The other one is joy. Okay, what shall we have? What is the ambience you create? A. Begin well. The first sentence you say is the most important. It may be a greeting or how you begin, half done. So please make sure that you begin with some interactive session, some interaction, something to think, something to question. It may be related to the class, it may not be related to the class. It may be just wishing them, or it may be just asking them, or wishing somebody particular some good day, something, but begin well. Context. Today we are dealing with this situation. Today we are dealing with teachers becoming trainers, because people have stopped learning, actually, from teachers. Nobody wants to listen to sermons. Student doesn't want to sit there, okay, that's over. Treat them equally and how to take them along. That's the context. I'm just giving an example. Connect to world and life. Diversity. In 60 minutes or 120 minutes or 90 minutes, everything should happen. Maybe, for example, in 60 minutes, I would speak only for 20 minutes. Another 15 minutes for the students decide. Another 30 minutes is a collective interaction. So today you might be interested to know, I think you might be knowing that, Today, more than one teacher takes the class. In many places, it is combined joint sessions. More than one faculty comes and interacts. In places like law school and others, experimentation is happening. So diversity in terms of action, activities, and what is offered. And there's also one session I came into soon. There is a five minutes capsule in a session where anything can be stated. Anything which is relevant. So it's a time for the students. Make it very diverse. Bring in an element of surprise. Keep changing because you need their attention. 
evaluation evaluation is not examination evaluation is not assessment assessment is encouragement i give a test not to judge but i give a test to help you where you have to improve so the one thing is that i am looking at evaluation my whole challenge is how to bring down the fear of examination how to bring down this policing and proctoring the examination it's a very interesting challenge because i want to convert it somebody beautifully said today students are more tested than educated so therefore in that context you know you know the controversy so evaluation is encouraging them identify where they need support focus there are three elements here teacher subject and student is the focus on the teacher if the focus is on the teacher i would come and say with 30 years of experience and multiple achievements i am a big man sit down and listen to me if the subject is a focus i am teaching you this rocket science which will help the world evolve so sit down and learn forget your languages and all it's so surprising today we have core subject and language subject non core it's a tragedy so we consider some subject more important than the other very wrong if the subject is given more importance then the learning orientation differs student centric it says if what is that student is capable willing and desires of learning i adapt it to his learning methods in fact very interesting today we have a concept of fast and slow track of learning so for example there are six courses in a semester there is a student who says i can't handle six allow me to take five do it and you take the later there is another boy come and say give me seven i want additional track of course possible so this way focusing on the student's learnability because you know that today a small boy explained socialism beautifully to me he said what is socialism socialism is how he studies in st pauls my class is socialistic he said what does it mean he said this the teacher wants to make sure that everybody passes they don't care about the brilliant one the point is you know about socialism you know everybody is distributed equally so the point i'm not going to the story but the point is the teacher is compelled to look at make sure everybody learns uniformly and passes are the gifted children attended to no so that needs to be looked at focus group based peer learning friends will definitely teach others we definitely learn from peers and students what we learn is what is important so we have to guide them what to learn bring that element of peer learning humor we'll have to get in humor because not the kapil sharma brand of humor but a good humor because humor is a great uh, immunity from hurt if i can laugh at myself nobody can insult me and if every individual get today it's about making fun having fun is what need to be taught so if there's a lot of humor then two things happen the ambience get lightens out nothing very serious second thing is an individual learns how to immunize himself or herself from being hurt or being insulted humor has a great power let it could be some unrelated joke or something related to the subject it would be a great help involve include the stakeholders parents management society do we know why the children are studying there is important include the stakeholders we have to connect to them today we know that 
Parents have come and given their children to us and said, please take care of them. We don't know what they're doing. No. So therefore, how do we involve them? Connecting to them becomes important. Judicious. Decision making. Decision making today is very important that the youngsters are held to understand and take decisions. Not just academic, generally. So providing them with a perspective. Essentially, it's about career. In a classroom, it's about career-related decision-making. Or especially, I met a student who passed out some five years ago, settled in the U.S. She came down and she wanted to meet me. I said, I'm in Bangalore, I'll come and meet you. What's the issue? So she says, I have a relationship issues. I didn't understand. What's a relationship issue? Some psychotherapist based in Bombay convinced her that she's got a relationship issues. She's got a husband-wife issue. Now that became a beautiful dreaded uh, word. The point I'm saying is, today after two children and ten years of marriage, she realized she's got a relationship. The point is, she did not understand how to essentially evaluate and take decisions. Now, in the class, <coughs> in interaction, about, if not about life, about career and important dimensions of life, help them understand how to take decisions, look at perspectives. This becomes very, very important because this non-academic element of discussion sometimes becomes important in understanding academic orientation. Kind of, somebody was telling, you know, you know Kapil Dev's video has become very controversial? Yes. No, it's become very controversial. Kapil Dev made in a light-hearted way, made fun of why these present-day cricketers are going through a lot of stress. Oh, stress was kuch nahi hota, oh, depression, depression, kuch nahi hota, I said. But the psychologists are up against him, saying that how can you make light of such a serious issue? But there are people. There are people who think that depression is a rich man's state of mind. Get working, nothing is there. There are people who look at it. I'm not judging anything, but the point is, do we at least tell them what to do if you're under stress? So that's about it. Because education, examination, competition, and career and placement, everything is extremely stressful areas now. Just go through the kind of people who are preparing for competitive exams forever, 10, 12 years. It may be IAS, IPS, or I mean, the Tamil Nadu government wants to ban NEET exam. So look at the kind of stress the children are having. So are we addressing that issue is a question I want to raise. Kinesthetic, physically agile and active elements has to be brought in. Any physical group activity. Learning, give them an aspiration. Why are you learning this and what is the achievement of this? That has to be an aspiration. Moderation, one thing. Some teachers teach too much. Never to teach too much, to be moderate. Now it's so nice, we know everything, we want our students to be the best and know everything. Now that's not the way. Leave something incomplete, leave something half said. It's for them to carry on and conclude. Moderation in teaching. Negativity. Why negativity? Very unfortunate. It's a kind of social times we are living in. There's a lot of negativity around, a lot of problem orientation. Never a solution orientation. Everybody asks questions. Nobody asks how to look at an answer. So in a classroom, negativity should never, never enter. Always trying to focus on what could be the possible answer than what the questions are. Objectives defined. These days you don't believe you might have come across these rating agencies, <coughs> learning outcome, program outcome, program specific outcome. Now it is topic specific outcome. 
So there is a course in microbiology, biochemistry, economics, ethics. Every topic, the teacher is supposed to define why it's being taught. Now, that may be documentation, record purpose, but somebody's thinking, but in my classroom, before I start the class, do I define what is the outcome of this? Please make that clear. Punishment. Why punishment, corrective action is important is because it's important not only to correct the people who require some discipline, but it's a reward for the good behavior. People who are doing well need to be recognized. And the psychologists say, take some action of correction regarding people who are not conforming to what is expected. Otherwise, there is no motivation for people to be good. All right? So, question. Imagine the incomplete. Asking a lot of questions results in imagination, creative thinking. So I asked a question about what is the feedback. So many wide variety of answers come. So questioning is imagining the incomplete. We know imagination is a great source of learning. Review, student summary. After every session, the students will summarize what they learned. That's exactly what he did. You know, in this session, you are summarizing what is the learning takeaway? Can this happen in the class? So, self-appraisal. Let the individual monitor themselves. Although we help them, but it is almost self-monitoring. We do mentoring. What is mentoring? I know you know it. But in one line, what's mentoring? There is counseling, there is guidance, there is teaching, there is everything. What's mentoring? I'll take in five minutes. What's mentoring? Mentoring is beautifully defined as sharing the goodness you have with the other. So, uh, please understand, you can become a guide, the college institution can make somebody a welfare officer, a guide and things like that. But a student will choose their mentor. You can say, I'll be a mentor to you, no way. The student has to choose. And how? They relate to you, they look at you and decide that your goodness to be inherited. So being a mentor is a beautiful experience of being good and sharing it with those who need. And you don't need a specific issue to be a mentor to somebody. Just sharing it with Transform, to be demonstrated. Never to say what you expect. Just be what you want to be. A unique value. We know that students are very good at giving nicknames to us. They do it, no? There's no option. We have to have this. If they can keep a very funny nickname to us, they can also identify us with a value, a concept. Now, can we look at it? What does that understand? They do. And it's possible. We think of our teachers and great teachers. We associate something with them. So anyway, we invite a lot of attention. We invite a lot of titles. Why not that title be something very good and positive and aspirational? Value chain analysis. Value chain is how do we help a student evolve from, for example, very quickly I'll tell you, a student or an individual had a bad experience in my class or with a friend comes to me and saying that today that teacher or something happened which is not good. So outcome of a behavior was wrong. I take that behavior upwards and look at attitude which generated that behavior. Now that attitude might be right. Maybe there was a belief that generated that attitude. Now that belief may be correct, 
they may be a value that influenced their belief. And the value came in because there was a self-concept. In simple language, self-concept to understand is this way. This Descartian logic called, I think, therefore I am. Similarly, if I were to write, I dash, therefore I am, what would I fill in there? As a teacher, if I say, I teach, therefore I am, I can also say, I learn, therefore I am. If I start believing, I teach, therefore I am, my entire behavior changes. If I start believing, I learn, therefore I am a teacher, my behavior and the change states. So therefore, how do we understand our own concept of self? Why am I here? Am I here because I have been invited, because I know so much, and I am here to enlighten the world? Or do I say, I enjoy this particular subject, I will never lose an opportunity to learn from it, and this is one way of learning the music, so my whole behavior changes. So what does the value changing stand for is something we can look at. Writing is realization. Please make the children write. They are losing the art of writing. Writing is interactive. Why essay writing is very, very important component of any important examination, including civil services, when you're writing, you're thinking. When you're writing, you realize what you're thinking. So therefore, it's not just in the examination. If you need them to introspect, they need to write. And writing as an art is getting away. So that's why everything is becoming impulsive. Do we realize that they speak without thinking? They do. So therefore, writing is introspection. The art of writing has to be brought in. Finally, every individual has one unique aspect. If we identify them and appreciate it, they will remember it forever. So therefore, every individual is unique. And if a teacher as a mentor or a trainer identifies that, that individual or student gets indebted to the child. So I never realized I was good at that. I thank you for that. So how carefully we examine that unique element is what? The X factor. This is the finally, the 10 C's of what training is all about or what learning is all about. At the end of it, what is that I want my student to exhibit? Character. Is it okay? Another five minutes? It's okay. What is character? Swap bhava. Internally what you are. How do I define that? Oh, nice. I told them the story about the character. It exhibits unknowingly from unconscious when Super. it takes... Then I will put a slightly managerial twist to it. Character is what you are when nobody is watching. And are we good when nobody is watching? I don't know. In fact, there is a theory on that. Sudhir Patkar says Indians are not good when nobody is watching. What he says is that it's riding a bike without a license or a helmet. You don't look at the rules, you look at the policeman. If he's not there, I'll go. You understand? So, the point is, essentially, what are you? A small story and I go. Every object in nature has an inherent character. Like, say, for example, water. Water will flow, whatever it is, from high to low. Fire will burn, sun up. 
Similarly, every tree, every leaf has a certain, it is a beautiful story, I'll tell you sometime when I have time, there is. So inherently, what am I? So let the individual understand that. Culture, what do I represent? Do I represent my family? Because I'm an Ayer, there's a Raju. We all carry a surname or a father's name or mother's name with that. Do we represent them? Otherwise, we are a part of KLE. Do we represent KLE correctly? Do we, we are doctors. Do we represent the profession correctly? So there is something to represent. The child should know it. Today, alumni's help an institution grow. They have to come back. Do they represent? Are we all good ambassadors of India when we visit abroad? I don't know. Because one fellow misbehaves, the whole of India gets a tag. So therefore, do we represent something? Curiosity. Are we asking right kind of questions? Creativity. Are we into positive thinking? Creativity is looking at the answer. It's not about De Bono's creativity or craft like man says. It's about asking good questions. Thinking positively. Conscious. Are we aware of what's happening to us? Confidence. Is there something in all of us that I can confidently say I am no less than anybody? I'm not better than anybody. At least a student should be able to stand up and say, I am one of the best in this. I am no less than anybody in this. If we can say that, there's confidence. Compassion. Connecting to nature and what is around us. Contentment. To be happy at that point of time with whatever is achieved. There's a sense of discontentment all over. Competence. Knowledge economy. How do I define knowledge? I know what I don't know. That means I'm knowledgeable. <laughs> so if a child or a student can accept, so I know this, I don't know that, I find him knowledgeable. If he starts pretending what he knows, then he's not knowledgeable. These are very simple conceptual clarity I wish to give the individual. Accept what you don't know so that I can teach you. Communication. To know that even if you're not communicating, you're communicating, I have to be aware of that. What does your dress say? What what does your body say? What what are you saying? Are you aware of that? The tattoo, the, the, the accessories, you know, does the body define you? Does the costume define you? Does the ornament define you? Does your iPhone define you? What is it defining you? Be aware of that. If this he consciously understands is what learning is all about, then probably some in fact of training would have happened. Last one, I'm not going into the story. This, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. It's a Zen story. It says, all that we have to do is convince the youngster in the class that I can be of some help to you. There is something that you can learn from me. If I establish that credibility, then they would learn. With all this, if I am unable to establish a credibility, then whatever I do may not be of I think it's the answer. I, I just stop now. It's too much of time. Thank you so much. Anything to add? Please. I take too much of time. This is a story. You, if I have time, I will tell you. Now I think the lunch is waiting for you. Yeah. You know why I said that? Please. It's very important when you enter, be very, very conscious. And we as teachers have to be 